You're listening to another podcast from I'dRatherBeWriting.com. I'm Tom Johnson, and today I'm talking with Bob Watson, a professor at Mercer University in Georgia, um, and we're going to be talking about how you get to know the user, how you do any kind of user research, or what informs uh, your perspective on whether to do user research, best practices, and other kind of thoughts. Um, so, Bob, uh, say hello and, and tell us uh, how you're doing over there. Hello. I'm um, doing great. I'm b- between semesters, so that means I'm still working. Uh, that's what professors do when they're between semesters is they they keep working. Um, so whoever said they have summers off uh, was uh, was misleading you. But it's fun because I get to catch up on all the research that uh, uh, that drew me into uh, academia in the first place. Yeah, and... And uh, just to give a little background to listeners who may not know know your uh, background, how you ended up teaching, um, as I understand it, you were a tech writer for a number of years, like, I don't know, 10 years. You decided to go back and get a PhD at the University of Washington in, was it a tech comm program that morphed into human factors and then... You went back into tech writing, and then you jumped over to teaching just a couple of years ago. Is that right? Uh, it's uh, pretty close. Yeah, no, so uh, my professional career started in software development uh, quite a while ago, and then uh, I moved into technical writing after about, I don't know, 17 years of software development. And as a technical writer, um, from beginning to end, uh, I don't know, maybe about 15 years, and during which time, uh, I went to the university and got a master's degree and saw how much fun that was. So I went back for a PhD, which wasn't fun, but <laughs> um, but it was, uh, it was a valuable experience. And so now I'm here at Mercer University in Macon, Georgia, uh, putting it to work. Good, good. Yeah, you bring a lot of experience from the world. 17 years as a software developer before uh, about the same time as a tech writer. That's that's a lot of experience to draw upon for uh, before you jump into the academic side. Um, all right, so let me let me give a little background about what prompted this topic. Um, I was recently I recently posted an article about this challenge I was facing. Um, it seems like the first rule of writing is to really know your reader, and that's especially true in technical communication. If you don't know your reader, how do you know what concerns they have, what sort of tasks they're looking to do, what their background is, what they know, what they don't know? And any attempts you might have to try to measure your documentation, was it good, was it bad? It all depends on the reader's experience. And yet, Technical writers are kind of at a disadvantage because we typically aren't closely associating with our users. We don't watch them use our documentation. There's no little uh, box they check uh, when they read through the docs about, you know, um, yes, they did it. No, they didn't do it successfully. You know, there's there's no clear sort of tangible outcomes. They didn't buy a product. They didn't get a grade. They didn't, you know, submit something. Uh, so the, the, the whole experience of the user is kind of nebulous. You know, did they even look at the docs? Who are they? What was their experience? We don't know. And so as a result, tech writing can be really challenging. You don't know if your, if your product, your docs are good. You don't know if, um, like it, you're connecting with the user. And so it's a real challenge. And um, in this post, I was kind of 
trying to think through ways to kind of reconstruct this absent user in order to better gauge whether the documentation is good or not. And a lot of my thinking was around the digital trails that users leave through web analytics, support logs, customer satisfaction surveys, on-page surveys. Um, but one kind of area that I, I didn't jump into much was, was user testing, more direct kind of user research. And this is something Bob kind of raised. He's got a lot of background in, in this. And uh, we're going to talk more about this. So um, let me let me think. To kick things off, Bob, um, let me ask you a question. Um, should tech writers do user testing and research, or is this just the product team, the product manager's job in designing the product? Um. Well, you know, uh, the I think. Part of the reason uh, the blog post that you posted recently uh, inspired such a response from me was that I went through a similar sort of, um, I don't know, anguish in that, you know, how can I know that this is the right thing? How, how can I know this is, you know, you know, I'm doing the right thing and it's, you know, it's actually helping people like I want it to. Um, and uh, I talked, you know, initially before I went to all this uh, university education, I talked to some of the user researchers and said, well, so how can we know this? And they said, well, you just ask them. It's like, it's obvious. And it's like, oh, it is obvious. Why can't we just talk to the users? And that's uh, kind of started me on this trail. And um, and then it made the um, ability or the inability to talk to users even more strained. Um, because you're right. I mean, we teach that. I teach that uh, every semester. Uh, you know, you need to know your users so you know what they're looking for. You know how to speak to them, and so you can deliver that. Um, and in all my technical writing jobs, well, most of them, not all of them, um, you know, the 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 user was really uh, distant, um, but yet we had to talk to them as though they were close. And 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 I, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, uh, and, and everyone's got their own special circumstance. But I think in any case, regardless of whatever the reason that you find that difficult, is that you do need to get out and, uh, you know, if not meet them personally, meet a suitable proxy for them uh, to understand their situations um, that you'll be writing to them. And I, I touch a little bit on that in the um, audience market product um, framework I'm still trying to sort out um, because I think there's there's aspects of the user that you need to know about and meeting the user is one of the ways to 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 learn about them but there's a if you know what you're looking for you can find other ways to find that information and so that's where I, that, that was sort of the driving motivation behind that framework so like in all the writing that I've done what is it that I really need to know to speak to the user and are there other ways to find that out? Because, you know, as you were saying, actually getting out and meeting the user has been challenging. Um, so, you know, so I don't want to you know, re re recap that. Uh, you know, it's a document on the website and it's in that uh, presentation I gave at Write the Docs. And those are some of the questions that you need to find out. And meeting the user is a good way to do that. But um, if you can... 
uh, you still need to find ways to uh, understand the user's uh, situation. And, and I, you mentioned the product managers. And the product managers are, are a good source, but it, at the same time, they have a different view of the product. You know, how people use the documentation is different from how they use the product. And so you need to know why they're using the product. But then you also need to know how they're using the documentation, you know, or if they're using the documentation. Um, because that's where you as the uh, documentarian, that's, that's the part of the picture you play in. And that could be completely different from um, how someone would use the product or the API that you're documenting. That's a good point. So just to um, kind of uh, go off on that last point you're making, the product team has done research about how users will use the product, but nobody has done research, at least with a given product, about how they will use the documentation for that product. Do you see um, vast differences in those two? Like what if you already have a bunch of personas that marketing has done? They've got, I don't know, five personas of different people and they say, you don't need to talk to users, Tom. Look, we've already done this research. Here you go. I mean, what would you say to that? Well, I'd say that that answers maybe half the questions um, for documentation. That answers the problems they want to solve. That answers how the product solves those problems. It answers the circumstances in which those problems are solved for those users. Um, so, and, and those are a lot of valuable points. Um, what it doesn't answer is what happens when they get stuck and need to read the documentation? What happens, or if you're a developer, what happens, you know, what, what, under what circumstances is a developer reading the documentation? Is it something that they're interested in? Is it something that their boss tells them they're interested in? Is it something that they need to discover and realize that they're interested in? Um, those are the aspects of the documentation that, you know, your product usage um, um, persona might not address. And, you know, and, and this depends. If, you're, um, if your product is an API, then that might be, you know, you might go from half the questions to 80% of the questions because um, using the API is using the product you're documenting. Um, if your API is a, you know, sort of a back-end service for a product that is customer-facing or end-user-facing, uh, the personas might be more distant. In fact, they might be completely irrelevant if they're talking to users of, say, a travel website, but your documentation is talking to developers developing travel websites or interfaces to travel websites. Um, so, uh, you know, that's a, uh, you have to assess that on your own. And then realize that, okay, this persona gets me half the way there. Now I need to find a way to get the other half. And, um, and one of the things that uh, I found in you know, studying all this is that there has been research done on developers using documentation. They, they might be not be using your documentation, but they do sort of fall into some patterns that you can help, uh, that can help you as the writer uh, focus your questions, focus your research. Because um, a lot of the, 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 the impression I get is like, well, you know, there's a lot of things to study, you know, or to know about users and uh, users of the documentation. That's true. But you don't need to know all of that to be effective as a technical writer. What you do need to know is what you need to know. And, you know, I guess that's where the challenge is. Yeah. Um, 
I want to dive into uh, several of these points, but but let me just go off this last uh, thought you you were talking about. With there's been research on how people use docs, and there are existing patterns that we can follow. So uh, there's not necessarily a need to reinvent the wheel every time in terms of figuring out well how do people actually use my documentation. Theoretically, there should be some common patterns, and we we had a discussion earlier about, or, or you linked to Twilio, and you you saw their presentations at Write the Docs, and in the video that you pointed me to, uh, they explained that in their testing of users, they found that, unsurprisingly, developers really liked code. Um, they found that uh, if they had a bunch of descriptive text before code samples, those pages didn't perform as well as pages that just kind of launched right into code. Um, what are some other, I don't know, are there other universal patterns? I've, I've heard that like developer audiences typically dislike video. Uh, novices might like video, but advanced users want quick reference information. Like what else, what kind of other research or patterns uh, are there that, that we can extract? So some of the patterns that I mentioned in the presentation I um, learned about when I was doing, um, well, Microsoft Research uh, worked on them in 2004 to identify some developer patterns, and, and they evolved a little bit since then. Um, but basically it's sort of coding styles. Um, uh, there's the, they, they had three different categories. There's the opportunistic one, which is like copy and paste and hope for the best. If it works, great. If it doesn't, try something else. Uh, there's sort of a, um, a, can't remember the name, there's sort of a general uh, programmer who's kind of a cross between, well, let me see how it works and I'll look for some examples and use what I know about programming in the past and mix it all together and, and you know, sort of an informed copy and paste. And then there's the, the more systematic developer who wants to know how it works inside and out before they use it because, you know, maybe there's lots of, you know, high stakes involved and if it doesn't work, um, it you know really bad things could happen, so they want to make sure they know all the um, corner cases and limits and and so on. Um, and so those are some of the coding styles, and each one of those has a different documentation need. And so if you're in the more general to copy and paste end of the spectrum, then definitely coding samples would be perfect because that's what they're looking for. That's the developer audience. Um, and that you know, and that's you know, kind of working backwards. That sounds like. Uh, the type of programmer that is using their software. Is that your software? Is that your developer? Well, I don't know. Maybe it is. Um, if it is, then copying that pattern might be appropriate, but it's only appropriate because their users or their developers you know, have the same coding style or characteristics. Um, if your developers are different, then you know, copying that pattern is um, probably not the best idea or not the best place to start. You know, and this, it's, this all gets back to one of the things that frustrated me as a beginning writer is you would learn, oh, these are the best practices. Do this. Don't do that. And the, the, my success rate with those was uh, not as consistent as I would have liked. And it, it, it baffled me as to why. And in the research that I've you know, done since, since the, the question came to mind, um, it, it reminded me of engineering uh, um, practices, since that's my background. And, you know, in, in, when you get an engineering documentation, it says, you know, this product will do X and Y under these circumstances. 
And if you're outside of those circumstances, well, it's not going to do that. You know, you'll get unexpected results or it'll break or whatever. And the best practices have similar caveats, but they're not necessarily articulated all the time. So uh, if you can identify the um, caveats or the conditions for best practice, you can then apply it when it's going to actually be the best practice. Um, I think you're familiar with the um, um, the funnel, um, Nuremberg funnel. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a best practice of minimalism, you know, discovered or identified in a specific context. Um, and when you go back and read, um, well, what's the author's name? Um, I should know this, but it's escaping me at the moment. Carol, um, John Carroll. Right. Yeah. I, I read his work from the, the, um, from when he proposed that and, you know, it took off. And then I also... <laughs> read a lot of his other work saying, no, 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 that's not how you do it. <laughs> because it had it was an example of that, of a best practice that was just, you know, discovered to work under sp- specific circumstances, like he was doing um, computer task, uh, step-by-steps for uh, computer task, I think. Um, and it worked for that. Um, but, you know, people were applying it, oh, less is more, and cut, 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 do all this, take, take all the words out. You know, it's like, um, well, under some circumstances, you know, when you have an audience that wants brief text and you put in too much text, then taking words out will work. If you've put in the right amount of words and take them out, now it won't work. Um, and so it's a, you know, that's a best practice that's best under the circumstances it was, you know, originally proposed. Uh, and there's a lot of other best practices like that, you know, like the use-only code. Like, oh, developers only want code. Well, some developers only want code sometimes. Sometimes they want a description. Sometimes they need to know how the system is put together. Sometimes they need to know the limits or the resources or something like that. And the code sample is not going to tell you that. So you have to know what's important to the reader, you know, what's important to uh, the developer. And that's getting back. That's what gets back to the uh, know your audience, you know. Here's where, here's where I, I kind of get stuck in my mind when it comes to user testing. Suppose I were to bring in five people to walk through my docs and just out of, out of uh, random randomization, the five people who come in are all the copy and paste programmer types that you initially uh, described. Mm-hmm. And so based on that user research, I'm like, oh man, we got to do all our docs. We're going to cut all the text. We're going to just put code samples. We don't even really need to explain it. Just like, you know, they, it's going to be obvious to people or they're just going to copy and paste it anyway. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, they just move on. And what if I make sweeping changes to my docs this way and then I push them out and it's like, oh, wait, uh, in your user testing, you didn't have any of the high stakes programmers, but there are quite a few out there. And, oh, there's some general programmers and, oh, there's some newbie programmers and advanced programmers. And there's this type of person and there's that type of person. Like how easy is it to make hasty generalizations from a user sample that's too small from user research that would then throw my kind of, uh, I don't know, direction askew? Well, it's always easy to make hasty uh, hasty decisions, and that's the problem. Um, the, the 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 user research approach to that would be to know your audience demographically, and then select users who you know represent that, or select tasks that the subset of users you have 
are going to provide valid data for. Uh, so if you had only, say, copy and paste developers, you could use them to do copy and paste tasks to, you know, whatever that, uh, you know, however those tasks um, were required by your documentation. So it's not like you can't use them for anything. You shouldn't, you know, generalize at all. But you need to know, you know, that what was missing in your description is knowing what proportion of copy and paste developers you know, was represented in your audience. Um, and that's, you know, that's the part of the, you know, your audience, I guess, with the capital A, the, you know, the audience in general, is to know, you know, so who's the majority audience? Who are the, you know, who, who are the people that I am writing to? And if you do end up, you know, if that's, like you said, turns out to be 20% copy and paste and 80% systematic developers, uh, which is probably an unusual case, but, um, if that's what it happened to be, uh, you should know that before you do your recruiting to know that, uh, oh, I'm going to have to you know, round up some systematic developers uh, who are going to actually read all the documentation and have detailed questions um, in order to test my documentation. So now, okay, th that seems a little tricky too, right? It's like you kind of have to know a little bit about your audience in order to recruit the right audience to represent them but mm -hmm. but even putting aside you know that challenge um it seems as if to get a representative sample and to have them perform a meaningful task or do some kind of meaningful activity you're looking at like uh, another uh job function like a usability kind of testing center that tends to be more bandwidth than tech writers who are just trying to keep afloat can really do i mean i'm i'm lucky if i you know finish all the docs that release i'm just proud to hit that publish button let alone uh let alone complete like a whole user testing that could potentially or that could you know reasonably cover uh uh, demographic and and have results processed. You know, is it too much? Is what I'm asking. Too much to ask. Of um, it can writers. be. Um, it, it, and that's where it gets down to the, um, you know, knowing what you want to know, um, or knowing what you need to know, and then finding that out because you don't need to know everything. You do need to know something, uh, and you probably know more than you think um, or than you realize, but you haven't had any way to validate that. Um, the um, the the overworked technical writer is a is a very familiar um, <laughs> scenario for me, um, and there's always more to do than there's time to do it. That's just I guess one of the uh, entries in the job description. Um, but what you what you need to know, I, I guess the way to approach the the way I would approach that is identify you know what about this documentation am I unsure about? Am I unsure about the procedures? You know, did I miss a step or something like that? Do I need someone to test that? Am I unsure about you know stepping back all the way to the content strategy? You know, do I have the right mix of you know code samples to prose? Uh, do I have the right examples? <clears throat> and uh, you know, a lot of that you can find you know if you go back to the personas or the the, the use cases of the product. You know, uh, I, what problem is this trying to solve? And um, you know, who's it solving it for? And with that, then you can start, you know, out. Then with that, you actually know a lot. You know what samples are going to be relevant. You know what examples are going to be relevant. 
uh, you know, what they're probably interested in. You should know um, what they're starting from. You know, are they building systems up from scratch? Are they adding this into an existing system? Um, so, you know, that gives you a lot of context. And the next question to, to answer is, so how are they going to answer that question? How are they going to solve that problem? Um, and that gets into the, what's their, their coding style. Now, the challenge is if you find out that they're all copy and paste coders and you have to write lots of documentation, I mean, that, that could end up uh, being a lot of work. And so um, the solutions that the, um, the, the, the Twilio folks uh, used, I believe, was outsourcing. And that, that, was, a, that was another topic that, that came up in the Write the Docs conference uh, here in Portland <clears throat> was, you know, make it easier to, to help people contribute uh, because, you know, you can't do it all yourself. But, you know, back to your question is um, the how do you work this in? Uh, it, it's you have to prioritize the research questions that you want to answer. You know, what is the what question about your docs do you have? that has the biggest impact on the docs. You know, uh, do you need to, if you're at the beginning, is it going to be all code samples or all written text or some combination of the two? That's a good question to ask at the beginning because that's going to govern your whole, you know, content strategy, your content plan. Um, if it's, does this tutorial work or not, uh, you could test that. And then you could say, you know, find someone to help, help you test it, um, you know, or some more or less representative developer to help you. Uh, if you know that's what you have to do, then you start working those relationships, looking for those opportunities. Um, and yeah, you know, uh, but, but you know, as far as how, how do you work that in, um, you know, A, as best you can, and B, make sure you get the most out of it. Um, well, you know, it seems like we could mimic a lot of similar software processes. Most software before release goes through a beta testing period and, you know, maybe docs could be part of that beta testing or something. Um, sure. But, but uh, so I want to, I want to uh, explore an idea um, sort of has been in my mind. There's this concept of, I may be wrong about this, but agile testing <laughs> that, kind of builds on the idea that every time a user uses your product they're essentially testing it out and there's an idea with developers that if they can uh, you know push content out they have users test it if if they get feedback that, that it's broken well you've just had all the users do all your testing you fix it and you keep going and with docs every time a user opens up a topic and reads it they're basically testing out the documentation and if we could capture their experience in testing that page, then iteratively we could go through and improve the docs each time. How, how can we capture the user's experience? I mean, uh, I've seen these little on-page surveys that say, was this page helpful? I've tried that in my docs and you don't really get very good responses, but what kind of ideas do you have for capturing that user experience every time they crack open the docs? So uh, that really depends on what the purpose of the content is, you know, and how, what method can you, can, is best to get feedback on that. Um, and one of the challenges that I found in documentation is that 
the success of the documentation usually occurs outside of the documentation experience. Um, you know, if you're going through a shopping cart experience, if you're successful, you end up with something, you know, being purchased. If you go through a documentation, you know, and that all happens at the website. If you end up, if you're in a, in a sort of a technical documentation experience, uh, the success for that occurs outside of the documentation, you know, in the code or, or someplace else. And so if you know what this sort of the, the flow of that action is, then you can find ways, you know, find locations that you can put in your instrumentation, your testing, you know, your basically your feedback uh, instruments, um, and start, you know, advocating for that if that's something that needs to be developed. Maybe writing your uh, topics a little different so they produce that sort of um, uh, information. Um, one, you know, one example is you know in in step by step tutorials. Um, if you have them on separate pages, you can see, you know, the where the which where the steps fall out. You know, if the tutorial is pages one through ten, and you know you only get traffic on page one through five, you know maybe there's something wrong with um, page five that gets keeps them from getting to six, or maybe there are questions are answered in page five and they don't need to go to six or something like that. But it's a lot of a, a lot of this I think is made complicated for. Uh, writers, um, in that the tools don't make that happen naturally. So the writers have to, you know, not only understand the content that they're about to produce, but it helps them eventually, you know, after a few iterations, to know how they can sort of put in signposts uh, that provide feedback uh, to the writer on how that topic uh, helped the reader accomplish whatever uh, they were trying to accomplish. And, and the more you know about both sides, then the user say, oh, you know, if the reader's going through this successfully, they'll do this and they won't do that. Um, if they do this, you know, this will happen in their program. I wonder if there's a way we can get instrumentation about that from uh, the web service. You know, um, for web services, uh, if you're documenting web services, everything happens online. So, but it doesn't happen in the documentation. So if there's a way you can tag the documentation to things that happen online... You know, maybe that's a, a um, something you could work with the engineering team and say, hey, you know, uh, when people read this documentation, this happens over here. Is there a way we could, you know, log that or instrument that or, you know, set up a flag? I don't know. You know, so that we can see how that's effective. And if it's effective, we'll know that the documentation works. If it's not effective, we'll know the documentation needs to be fixed. You know, and then you can make that a, um, you know, a collaborative effort. Yeah, I, I, I like that approach, like looking for these sort of milestones. Uh, for example, I work in a app store group, and if somebody submits an app, um, that's a point of, it's like almost a transaction. You know, they're uploading stuff, they're clicking publish, um, and it would be a great opportunity to kind of find out if the docs were helpful or if they had any special feedback. One, I, and that's a great approach, one problem is that for all the users that didn't achieve that milestone who failed along the way and and dropped out uh we sort of miss out on that group right so it could almost be self-selecting the type of responses that would come back like we're only going to get feedback from people who are like the winners <laughs> you so know what i'm saying survivor bias in your uh in your yeah. day yeah yeah you only hear about the successful cases um 
Well, that's possible. In that case, then you would, if that's a concern, uh, you'd need to find ways to instrument the failure path uh, somehow. Um, you know, I don't know the, the the nature of the service to you know, write a prescription necessarily, but you know, it, it it always comes back to what questions do you want answers for? You know, if it's why are they doing this? Can you identify who they are and maybe get in touch with them? Can you identify where they go after that? I don't, you know, I don't know how how it's connected to know if that's a possibility. Um, you know, is it uh, is it even a concern? Is you know, is it the is that the the edge case or is that the common case? You know, I don't know if you have that information. Um, but you know, it, it always comes back to you know what's the question you want to answer to, and then how can you get that answer? Um, and that's sort of the I think in, in when we were talking about this. Uh, the, the sort of the research frame of mind um, that I saw in the Twillow example uh, and some other ones at the at the conference was that it wasn't they weren't just writing docs to publish they were writing docs to collect information and they were you know and they also collected information from other other um, other other sources um, but the, the 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 docs were seen you know in, in looking at how they approach this as a way to not only provide information to the reader, but as a way to get information from the reader. And I think having that view of the documentation starts helping you see those opportunities. I want you to see it as something you publish, then you know, publishes the path and that's where you focus. But when you see it as a way to like, you know, oh, if they did this, that would tell me something about the documentation. Like um, you start seeing those opportunities when you look at it as a um, as a research tool, as a way to, for you to get information. And I, I think this is changing your framework. It, it, it's not the only thing, but it's, it's a necessary step. Yeah, I, I like that approach, right? It, not looking at things as, oh, I'm just giving information to the users, but this is an opportunity to get information from the users. And I, I think that's worthwhile. Just curious, uh, do you have any um, insider info on how Twilio then gets information from their users from their from their docs they put out there? Well, I'm I'm speaking strictly as an outsider because I've only watched the videos and heard heard a conference or heard a conference talk. Um, but having studied user centered design, I, I see the patterns, and so they're following that pretty much by the textbook, um, and. Um, so your question was, how do they get information? Is yeah, I, yeah. How, do, yeah. How, are, how are they pulling it in? So, so, so I think I wrote that about that in my blog. I was, I was um, rummaging through their documentation because, you know, it's, it's got lots of interesting stuff. And um, they had an interesting approach to collecting feedback. I don't know if it's still there or, or if I'm canceled out because I already used it. Uh, but they had this sort of um, tiered level of, of, of feedback. So the first one was the usual, you know, did this help kind of thing, and it's like yes or no, a pretty low investment ex, uh, experience. And if you had clicked yes, well, well, tell me about that. And so, you know, they, you know, if you're up to it, they gave you the opportunity to tell a bit more. And that's kind of where everybody stops. And but there, there's went the next step and said, you know, hey, if you're interested, we'll give you a T-shirt if you'd like to talk to us. I thought, well, wait, you know, so that, that, that said two things uh, to me, you know, in my kind of researcher mind was one, they found that information valuable enough to give you a T-shirt. 
uh, which is, you know, I think the information, uh, you as a writer, you know, that would be almost invaluable to you to get, you know, first-hand reader um, information. Certainly worth a T-shirt. And so they, they, and that said that they valued your time in that, you know, hey, we, we realize that uh, we're asking a lot of you and, you know, we figure it's worth a T-shirt if, if, that's, if that transaction is acceptable to you. And I, I hadn't seen that before uh, on a documentation site. And, and to me, that said that, you know, to, as the, you know, the, um, the, the user in this particular story, um, that said that, you know, they value my time because they weren't going to start, you know, asking me lots of detailed questions if I wasn't up for it. And they valued it so much that they were going to pay me a T-shirt if I wanted to, you know, commit to the next level of uh, engagement. And so, as a customer, that would tell me that, you know, these people are really interested in how this is working because they're making a financial commitment or at least a T-shirt commitment uh, to learning about it. And so, uh, if that's the kind of information you need, that tool's available because uh, I think I went and poked around on their web page, and or I took the web page apart to see how they were doing that, and it's a service that a company provides, and uh, so so it's you can do that if you want to. Um, I made tools like that when I was doing my uh, graduate research, um, little JavaScript things, and other people have done it. So it's not in the rocket science category, but it's not in the automatic category either. But if you want it. And it's valuable. Uh, it should be possible to make a case for, you know, hey, we can get better information and do better docs if we, you know, add this widget, or you know, buy this box of T-shirts to send out, um, or whatever it takes to attract your audience, you know, and engage them, and you know, ask the questions that you want to learn. Yeah. You know, um, and I think that's the, you know, it gets back to the research question. You know, what questions do you want answers to, and what's the best way to get those answers? Well, one other technique that I I suspect they're using. Um, I was checking out their tutorials the other the other week. I was updating something in my API API Docs site on like tutorials or getting started, and they sort of reinvented the tutorial, in my opinion. Um, but what what they did is uh, in some in some of their tutorials, um, they sort of have a button at the bottom of the first segment that when you click it. It brings up the next segment. Uh, it's all on the same page, and the part that I think they that just sort of merits my saying they reinvented the tutorial is that when you click that button at the bottom, it then scrolls this pane on the right uh, that is showing code. It scrolls into focus, literally into focus, and blurs the stuff that's uh, in not directly under discussion um, so that you see exactly what they're talking about in the tutorial and a tutorial might have like six different buttons at the bottom so you can see theoretically where people drop off maybe they drop off at the third segment or something um, uh, it, I think you know it when I do tutorials I just tend to put all the information on different pages link them together with some kind of map at the top hope that users make it all the way through but really it would be very easy with some uh, analytics even just bitly or something to see how many people click a first segment versus second segment third segment fourth segment fifth and then maybe if they're dropping off at the third segment 
maybe that's an area to say, oh, there must be a problem here. You know, that that could be a way to whittle down the information that that we need. Did they show their tutorials at all in in their presentations or talk about them? I think they uh, mentioned something about that in the signal video. Um, I don't know that they went into the level of detail. I think they did talk about the sort of paging it, uh, but they didn't describe how, and I haven't looked at it, so uh, I don't know. But, you know, again, that would answer the question, where are they dropping off? Now, it, would, it doesn't answer the question, why? And so that if that's a concern, which I would, it would be for me, um, then you would need to figure out a way for to instrument like, oh, I see you're leaving our tutorial. You know, were you successful? Did this help you? You know, are you done now? And you don't need the other eight steps, or you know, are you confused? You know, and you know, knowing which questions to ask or how to ask them, uh, the um, you know your user interviews can would 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 help with that. Um, but you know, but knowing where are they dropping out certainly. You know, or if they're dropping out, is 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 useful, but it's incomplete. Um, yeah. The you, you need to know why. You know, were, did they leave because they finished, or did they leave because they just got totally confused, or something in between? And, and and you know, and so so it's important to not give up, but just like oh, they're dropping off on step six, eighty percent of the time. Um, uh, the because that just begs the question why. But at the same time, um, it almost gives like if if I saw that in my docs, it would give me a valid reason to reach out to our developer outreach group and say, hey, we're experiencing a problem at this specific point. I need you to go and email or do this test of 200 users and figure out what's up. You know, like whereas if I just said, hey, we'd like to know kind of what the experience of the documentation is just too broad. And then I get just general feedback is not really helpful, you know? So I, I think that that question you've been stressing this several times that you have to know exactly what, what it is you're trying to answer, what question you have. Um, and that the, zeroing in on the drop-off point seems like it just is a, a really good segue into having that rationale. Well, yeah, it, it, I mean, that's just a, a research thing is the better your question, the better the answer. Um, and um, you can spend, you know, it's worthwhile spending a lot of time to find the right question to ask so that the answer actually helps you. Um, you know, was this helpful? Yes. Wonderful. What do you do with that? You know, <laughs> my docs are helpful. I don't know why, but they're helpful. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, and, and tech writers, you know, there, there's, it's, you know, they they need uh, you know get, getting any kind of positive feedback is is worthwhile for a technical writer because uh, that's not something that happens often enough, I don't think. Um, but you know, the 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 questions that I see in a lot of feedback um, don't really answer any questions. Um, you know, fifty percent of our docs are helpful, okay, <laughs> and you know. <laughs> Uh, you know the the, uh, the how, what do you do with that information? You know, throw the other fifty percent away. Now it's a hundred percent. You know, uh, that's you know I haven't seen that used constructively by itself. I mean, um, you can you know there it's I've seen that used to say oh well we got to go in and look at these not so helpful but you know widely read docs like okay well that's sort of you know it, it's good to know where it hurts. Um, 
but as far as you know, like a like an analytic, uh, it's it, it, it comes up short. You know, you I think you could ask better questions of the user so that you get better answers and you show that you understand the users, you know, why they're there. You know, was this helpful? Well, I wasn't supposed to be helpful. I was just looking something up or something. <laughs> help, help yeah. what I'm looking for. I was looking for information. You know, it's there's there's so many use cases where helpful, uh, you know, is kind of like, well, I don't know. That's not why I'm here. <laughs> I'm totally having that exact sort of uh, problem right now. We, we put some, some was this page helpful or did this page meet your needs questions mm-hmm. on some docs. Um, and initially we just had like a yes, no. And then if they answered that, they could go onto another screen where they could provide feedback. And initially we were getting quite a few responses, although it was kind of a new thing we put on on this doc set and a lot of them were just like yes occasionally no and it was like well if somebody says no and they don't tell us why it's, it's not very helpful uh, sure it might be easy to spot trends if everybody says no well yeah that's clear indication something is wrong uh, but so I, I i redid the little survey form so that um it was more more direct to say hey you know tell us why you answered yes or no like nobody nobody has filled that out (laughs) or or if they have it's been very very sparse and so uh yeah i don't know what the right do your work they don't want to you know (laughs) you're saying i don't know what's going on so you tell me it's like well it's not my job i'm the customer um you know i'm here to use it and uh you know one of the papers i wrote uh, it had to do with what's sort of the user's engagement in the topic. You know, what's their investment? Um, and a lot of times it's fleeting. And so asking them to say, oh, stop, I need a 20-minute analysis of our documentation. It's like, yeah, right. I'm busy. I gave you your 10 seconds. I'm out of here. Um, but if you asked a one-second question, you might get something. And so you have to understand their sort of like you know investment into the topic to know how much of a question you can ask. Um, if it's a fleeting investment, you know, anything other than uh, sort of a re- reflexive response isn't going to give you either any data or any useful data because uh, they just want to get out of there. Um, and so, yeah. Um, but if you understand the context or the goal of the topic, and this is this is where I think the um, I think Twilio said they had to do a lot of uh, engineering of their documentation production and publishing. Um, and I can appreciate that because these tools just aren't common in technical content um, systems. But you know, the, the questions have to be tailored to the use case for them to make any sense to the reader. If the uh, if the reader if the goal of um, like uh, let's say oh, I don't know like pick a topic. Uh, I don't pick a topic like a tutorial. What's a tu- what's the goal of a tutorial? Uh, wait, you is that a rhetorical question? No, <laughs> fair fair enough. Uh, it's kind of an ambush question, but um, the uh, you know so like when you're writing a t- tutorial, what's what's your how do you picture the reader's goal? What why are they there? Uh, to complete whatever the objective of the tutorial is, right? To if they're if they're integrating some widget, it's to have integrated the widget. So so is the reader's goal to finish the tutorial, or is the reader's goal to make it work in their pro- program? Oh, right, right. 
the ducks don't really have a existence of their own apart from uh, yeah unfortunately <laughs> no you, you know and so asking you know, did this tutorial help i don't know i haven't done my program that i care about yet um you know uh and so that, that that gets you know that that's one of the things that complicates that type of feedback is you're asking a question that's interesting to you but it's not interesting to the user as much mm-hmm. and the, what's interesting to the user is can i make my program work can I can I do all these things that you said I could do in the uh, on the landing page? You know, uh, did I complete the tutorial? I don't care if I complete the tutorial. I care about making my program work. I care about you know shipping my code or making my app or whatever. I don't care about your documentation. So it's is there, a, is that it? You know, gets me to where I want to go. Is there a way to flip these questions from were these docs helpful to? Did your program run or something that's more user interested? I would think so. You know, um, I don't know that that's been tried um, because you know, for 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 whatever reason. Um, but I think having some sensitivity, and you know, I guess that's what I liked about the Twilio, in that it didn't ask about my goals, but it sort of kind of edged into my time, um, understanding that I really didn't want to be there in the first place. Um, and so, um, so they were polite about it. You know, they weren't like, "Oh, wait, before you leave, answer this forty-question questionnaire." Like, what? You know, now that's rude. Um, they're saying, "Oh, do you have a minute?" No. Okay. Well, then have a good day. You know, that kind of thing. Um, but with, uh, you know, I think if you understand the purpose of the documentation in the user's mind, uh, and tutorials may, are maybe a good example because the tutorial is written as sort of this complete package of how to build. X with Y. Like, oh, cool, I can build an X. I don't want an X. I want my application. Um, but this is close enough, and I'll get through it. Maybe I can copy some code. Um, and so how can you, you know, what, ask a question that's going to be interesting to them in that context. You know, did this help your app run? Like, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Or, you know the, the problem with that question, though, is they haven't built their app yet. They're still finishing the tutorial. <laughs> so, you know, then we get back to the, and this is one of the things I talk about in the um, the, the user versus the documentation uh, interaction is that, you know, it's like, it's like cooking. If you have a recipe and you say, after you've read the recipe, how did it taste? Like, I don't know. I have to wait for it to come out of the oven. Um, you know, you can't ask the question uh, before the user is ready to answer it. But you could say, you know, after this helps your app you know, send us a note or something like that, you know, or let us know how this helped your app. Um, you know, maybe questions like, you know, to show that you're interested in how it worked for them, not how it worked for you. Well, you know, I'm just having some thoughts here about ways where I know that users would respond to the feedback uh, prompts. And one one really easy gimmicky way is is to offer them a free t-shirt if they do it right <laughs> some kind of like hey you want a free t-shirt answer these five questions i bet you'd probably get a number of responses but supposing you don't have a unlimited box of t-shirts um it seems like if the questions were specific to the content on the page for example if it's a page about device specifications instead of did this page meet your needs maybe a question that says uh did you find the specification information you were looking for? Were there any specs that were missing? Um, did you have, were you confused about 
some of the specifications, you know, instead of just this general thing. Problem then there though is that now I would have to have almost unique questions for all the pages I really cared about in my docs, which would create all kinds of customized surveys. But at the same time, if I actually got responses, it might be worth it. Well, you know, good data costs money uh, and or costs something. It's not free. Um, but it's worth a lot too. So I think, you know, the, it's up to you to make that trade off. But I think if you look at that, and this is one where I've kind of got to in the, in like the, the, the feedback questions is that if you look, there's sort of categories of reader goals by documentation type, like, uh, tutorials are to help build something reference topics are to help, you know, solve a problem generally. I know some there's the the case of well, we just want to learn about your specifications. Like okay, but you know, or the specification example that you described is there to provide data about something, and what you want to know is, are you providing the data that they're there looking for? But you can I think wrap those up into sort of templatable categories so that. There's only a handful. Like I've come up with like five um, general sorts of goals in technical writing uh, for like software documentation, and so you could template that. You could say, well, we want to know, did it, you know, does this answer a specific question and fill in the specific question. So you just add that as like some of the document metadata, and then you get the, did this tell you about the technical specifications? Did this tell you about the memory consumption? Did this tell you about the uh, interface to the other application or whatever th that topic does. And so you could have the did it tell you about the fill in the blank where you just say, you know, this is a topic about specifications, blank equals specifications or technical data or something like that. So I think, it, it, you know, when you look at it, and, 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 I, and I, I like that approach that you described, that that really, after you look at some documentation categories, you could make that uh, less work than doing every question by hand hmm. yeah that's that that could work but again the, the point that I, that I want to kind of make and reinforce here is it all all these ideas come from the idea or the notion that the documentation can tell you information if you know you know what to ask and by thinking about it in that way then you can start you know asking those questions and when you see, you know, a hundred of those questions, like, oh, these fall into like three different categories. We could simplify this. Um, and, you know, when you have that question research-driven frame of mind, those type of opportunities will start to jump out at you. And, you know, the, the, um, the, you know, then you can find ways to say, oh, if I just ask this question here, I'll get better information. Oh, if I just do this here, you know, I could ask them about, you know, how did their app run? You know, drop us a line, you know, click this link or whatever the, you know, be sure to let us know. You know, we really care about your success. Um, you know, uh, you can start, you know, finding ways to, you know, finding the right place to bring that into the conversation. Yeah, I like that, and and this overall idea of, of using docs as a way to get information, it's it's powerful. I mean, really, when when the tech writer suddenly has all these insights about what users want, their needs, their feedback, it it's transformative with your role on on teams. They they no longer see you as just this like last minute sort of person who's going to describe what they built, but like a key 
influencer in product roadmaps. But that's another discussion. So yeah, uh, when, you, when you can bring that data-driven information into the conversation, uh, you, you 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 raise your status. I agree. Well, Bob, we've been talking for a while here, and uh, like to wrap it up. Is there any concluding thoughts or anything you want to plug? You can even talk about your program or 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 your website. Docs by Design. Oh, docsbydesign.com. Yeah, uh, I need to get back to work on that as soon as I finish writing all these papers that have been backed up. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding a deadline right now, um, but that's my life. Now, the, I guess the only thing I want to close on is, you know, back to the, the research frame of mind. Um, you know, and then the, um, what do I got some notes in bold here that I wanted to, it's like, you know, uh, you were talking about the, um, the product uh, personas, and uh, this came to mind as like, you know, how the product helps, how how the customer uses the product helps you know what to write, and how they use the documentation helps you know how to write it, um, because that and that's the part that's missing from a lot of, you know, end user um, personas, is that they don't talk about how to use the documentation. That's where you need to dig into the. The, the users' um, use cases on the front end, and then add the instrumentation on the back end to confirm and correct those assumptions and observations. And so between those, you know, and then, you know, just keep it in a cycle. Um, you know, what you do learns and informs the next one. And make sure that the next one will inform the one awesome. that follows that. Well, you have a, you have a lot of insight. Right. I mean, you've been studying this topic for years, right? You, you've been... <laughs> you make it sound like I'm old. <laughs> well, you, yeah, this is definitely your, uh, been, an area so, that, so. that you have a lot of valuable insights from. So, uh, about uh, check out Bob's blog, docsbydesign.com. If you're a student, maybe you can check out the Mercer University program. Uh, if you just want to have more thoughts, you can add them as, I mean, if you want to share your thoughts, you can add them as comments. And uh, definitely reach out if you. If you work at Twilio and you're listening to this and you're like, oh, uh, I want to explain our process. Well, feel free. We're all ears. Love to hear more. Uh, again, my name is Tom Johnson. I'd rather be writing.com. So thanks again for listening. <laughs>